We're going to look at, at Ephesians chapter 5. Just a few verses, 8 through 14. Uh, words will be on the screen behind me if you've got them with you. Um, that's great. My face got really hot through that whole thing. Um, so, Ephesians 5, 8 through 14. Before we read, my wife is laughing at Let's pray. How about that? Oh, God, thank you. Um, that once again, we, we encounter your word, we encounter the scriptures, and that uh, you speak to us uh, in this moment. Um, we, we, we come to this book with humility, as much as we can muster. And we ask for you to, to help us make that happen. And Holy Spirit, we, we pray that, that you would open us so that we might hear, hear your voice and that you would change us and make us more like Jesus. Amen. All right, the writer of Ephesians says this. For you, you were once darkness, but now, oh, you are light in the Lord. You were once darkness, but now, oh, you're light. You are light in the Lord. So live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Find out what pleases the Lord. Have, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead. Christ will shine on you. Look at that far. Everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That's so good. Everything that is illuminated. It's almost like, it's almost like the, the writer of Ephesians is looking at the world and seeing how it, sort of, how it sort of works. Like think of the moon. It's illuminated by the sun and it becomes a light. So of course, this all, this all makes sense. It's really cool. For you were once darkness, but now, oh, you are light. You are light in the Lord. Darkness, light, deaf, hearing, blind, seeing, lame, walking. These are all things that we see Jesus doing in the Gospels, right? Helping the blind to see, the deaf to hear. Chaos, order, wrong, right, false, true. Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker. The Joker, Batman, Lex Luthor, Superman, right? For you were once darkness, now you are light in the Lord. Darkness, light. It's, it's this basic dichotomy between evil and good. Only the writer of Ephesians goes beyond like the uh, 
just the philosophical idea of evil and goodness. This is, this is something deeper than that. This is existential. This is something experienced. This is, this is personal. For you were once darkness. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So a while back, Time magazine wrote an article, uh, ran an article that, with, with this title, What Makes Us Good Slash Evil? Humans are the planet's most noble creatures and its most savage. It's true. And then it says, science is discovering why. Science is discovering why? That's good news, right? That's really good news. What makes us good or evil, right? So in the actual article... It starts by painting with broad strokes, right? About how we human beings have this extraordinary capacity to be evil and this extraordinary capacity to be really good. He uses people like Hitler and Stalin and Bin Laden to showcase just how evil we human beings can be. Then the writer uses Gandhi, Mother Teresa, and Martin Luther King Jr. to show us just how really good we can be. And the central question is what makes us that way? What makes us good? Or what makes us evil? Then he goes on to talk about what psychologists are doing to try to figure it out. He talks about how scientists are using brain scans to try to figure out what makes us good, what makes us evil. Anthropologists are studying tribal dynamics to, to try to figure out what, help, what makes us good or evil. And the underlying assumption is this. If we can sort of just figure that out, why? Why are we good? Why are we evil? If we could just figure that out, then we can, then we can just manipulate things so that we'll always be good or we'll always do the good. Like we'll take a pill or something, or we'll all get a shot, or we'll all have some sort of surgery that will just fix the problem and it will make us good all the time. So here's what they found out. What makes us good or evil? So science is doing a really good job trying to figure this out. Here's what they figured out. Yeah, we don't know. We're just, we're just not sure, which means we're all in trouble, right? Because we can never manipulate things so that we'll always do the good, so that we'll always be the good. So that, isn't that interesting that science is having that conversation, is trying to figure that out? I think that's awesome. Go science. But here's where we people of faith actually enter into this conversation. Because I think we people of faith, we have something important to say. We have a voice in the matter. Now, now let's not get ahead of ourselves and let's not be arrogant and let's not pretend that we have all the answers. Right? We like to think that we have all the answers, but we don't. We people of faith don't have all the answers. Let's start with that basic level of humility, okay? We don't have all the answers. In fact, if you probe deep enough into the things that we believe, it sometimes raises way more questions than gives all the answers. But we have a voice. We have a voice because we believe that God has given us God's voice in the Scriptures, in the Bible, right? And and what the scriptures reveal is that evil, sometimes we call it sin, it's not simply our bad behavior, right? Oftentimes that's what we think about. It's just our, our bad behavior. No, it's much bigger than that. It's larger than that. It's more like a, you can think of it as like a, a spider's web. It's something that we're caught in. Or you think about it as, as something that that has infected us. It's like gotten inside of us. But whatever it is, 
It's both in us, but it's also bigger than that. It's, it's beyond us. Evil is in us, but it's also beyond us. And I think we can say the same thing about goodness as well. So if good and evil, light, darkness are both in us and beyond us, then we can never simply manipulate things in order to do and be the good. We have to look beyond us. That's why the, the writer of Ephesians says this, for you were once darkness, but now you are light. And then these three words make all the difference. In the Lord. For once you were darkness, but now, oh, you are light in the Lord. You know what he's doing? At least what I think he's doing. I think he's riffing on the creation story. And I think a lot of writers in the Bible go back to Genesis 1 and riff on the creation story. It's so good. So, so this is what he's sort of saying. He's saying this goodness isn't a light that we emit on our own. It's a derived light. Right? It's a gift from beyond us. And then he, he's, So this image of darkness and light, he's just riffing on the creation story. Remember the creation story. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep while the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And then God spoke into the chaos. God spoke into the darkness. And what were the first words that God spoke into all of that? Let there be light. Right? It's almost as if the writer of Ephesians is saying, now that you have a relationship with God, because Jesus has revealed to us exactly who God is. Now that you're paying attention to what God is up to in the world, in and through Jesus, and the ways in which God works in the world, you've reclaimed your original identity. You've reclaimed, you, you've now, you are now on the path to becoming who you were meant to be, who you were created to be. You are now reclaiming your original goodness. Because remember, remember what God said about the humans when he first created them. He looked at them and he said, oh, they're very good. Sometimes we like to start in Genesis chapter 3 and we talk about how terrible we are and how we fell and we ate the fruit and we've all just been making a mess of things. And now, but now I think it's important for us to remember our original goodness that God created human beings and said, oh, you are very good. For once you were darkness, but now you are light. You. 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 You are light in the Lord. So, let's play with this image of light for a while, shall we? Let's think about light. If we are light, then let's talk about light. Let's talk about what it is. Let's talk about what it does. Let's play with it. And there are lots of things that we could say about light. But I'm going I'm to start with the most obvious one. Light is seen. Like you see it. When a light comes on in a dark room, you know it. You see it. Light. Right Now I'm no scientist, but if there's something in front of your face and you can't see it, it's probably not light because light is seen. And that blows my mind when I think about what what the writer of Ephesians is saying to the church in Ephesus. 
Because remember, the church in Ephesus is one of those churches that we talked about during the Revelation series. It's, it's one of those churches in Asia Minor. So here's one of those struggling, fragile, small, tiny, maybe 100 to 200 people, little churches in this place called Ephesus. They're in a place, they're trying to create a community of Jesus followers in a world that's sort of dangerous for them. So they were by far the minority, right? And they were in and out of jail, or they were beaten, or they were sometimes killed for what they believed and how they lived. And yet, the writer of Ephesians says, shine like lights, because that's what you are. You are light. When a light comes on in a dark room, you can't miss it. You might, be, you might, you might think that the writer of Ephesians would be like, y'all, be careful. Like, you might want to, you might want to, lay low for a while to protect yourselves. But no, shine like lights. Risk jail? Risk persecution? No, he says, shine like lights. Let everyone see. Let everyone see how Jesus has transformed your whole world. Will Willimon says this about this passage. Once again, we are reminded that if there are religions that are mainly a private affair, Christianity is not one of them. Christianity is very public, a matter of light shining in the darkness. And here's the deal. Our light can shine in so many different ways. Sometimes it's small, like a candle. Sometimes it's small, like a candle. Like it's, it's just holding someone's hand in a time of need, or just being a listening ear to someone who is in, who's struggling. Sometimes it's, it's working less so that you can spend more time with the ones you love the most. Sometimes it's a, it's a little bigger. Right? Sometimes it's giving of ourselves to, to feed the hungry, to house the homeless, to teach children. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's like a raging bonfire. Right? And it's actually standing up for those in this world who suffer inequality, speaking out against people and systems that seek to oppress. But the light always comes in action and it comes in love. Right? Because our faith isn't a private affair. It is public matter. It's a light shining in the darkness. Because when a light comes on, you know it. In fact, just this morning, I, I got up earlier because I have to get ready to do my thing, and I go take a shower, and I come out, and, and um, Renee is still snoozing in bed, and I'm like, I gotta turn the light on. So I'm like, Renee, I gotta turn the light on. You gotta ask for permission, right, when you're in there, and then the light comes on, and it's like, you know, when a light comes on, you know it, right? It's never, a, it's, a, it's not a, a private affair, right? It's a public matter. So here's the second thing I wanna say. Light exposes it exposes. Have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in, in secret. Light exposes. So here's, here's the general idea. The more light we derive from God in our lives, the more goodness, the more righteousness, the more truth we encounter and claim in our lives, the more junk it exposes in our own lives. Because that's where we start, right? 
We start with our own lives. We start with our, our own hearts. Lots of times we like to be like, we're going to expose everything out there and impose. But it starts here. Before we can do any of that, it starts here. Because the, the more closely we follow Jesus, the more His light shines on us. And the more closely we follow Jesus, the more we realize how far we have to go to get to the place where we actually live and love like Him. Because His light shines on us. We're like, oh, I'm not where I need to be. So in high school, I played basketball. And in basketball, at the risk of, uh, uh, the risk of bragging, I'm just going to say it. We were good. Oh, we were good. We won 50 games in a row. 50 in a row. Two state championships. Oh, and on that team, I was one of the dudes. I was. Not trying to brag, but but yeah, I am. This is high school. It was a long time ago. But I was one of the dudes, Right? And I, of course, I worked hard, I played hard, we all did, and we were rewarded for it, we played well, and we won a lot of games, right? Then I got to college, and there were, there were other guys who were going to play. I went to Northwestern College in Orange City, Iowa. And I quickly realized that the guys who went to college to play basketball, they were all the dudes too. And so now it's like, oh my goodness, now I'm playing with other guys. And I started to realize their light from their game and their ability made me go, oh, I got work to do. I got lots of work to do. And then there were other guys who'd been in the program for two, three years in college, working hard, lifting weights. Back then, that was when, when basketball players just started to do the weightlifting thing. And these guys were big and strong and tall. So the light that their game shined on my game, I was like, oh man, I got work to do. We were joking this morning that, that if you couldn't have been here this morning, I could play guitar and lead worship. And if I stood up on stage and played alongside of Emily, you'd all be like, dude, you can't play guitar. Because the light of her ability would shine on my ability and it would be like you got a long way to go here's what i'm saying following jesus is hard following jesus is a struggle following jesus is a struggle just on a personal internal spiritual level following jesus is a struggle you've realized this right what a struggle it is. And it's supposed to be a struggle because the closer we follow Jesus, the more light gets shined on us. And the more light that's shined on us, the more we realize how far we have to go in order to live and love like Jesus because light exposes. But remember, if we don't follow more closely, we don't change. We don't become more like Him. If if we do all we can do to just simply feel good about ourselves and to feel comfortable where we are, where we want to be, we won't change. We won't be transformed. Right? We all have dark places. 
We desperately need them exposed. And that's what light does. It exposes. One more thing. Light leads. It leads. Think headlights. Think a flashlight. Think a lighthouse. Right? Light leads. For you were once darkness, but now you are light. Everything illuminated then becomes a light. You are light. We together are light. So as I think about this, I was thinking about a, a, a story in John's Jesus story um, where Jesus stands up in front of people and he says, I am the light of the world. You've heard this before, right? Jesus says, I am the light of the world. So this comes in John chapter 7 and 8. So I want to tell you, he said, I am the light of the world the morning after the celebration of the Jewish Feast of Tabernacles. Let me tell you why this is really cool. This is really cool. On the last night of the Feast of, the, of Tabernacles, Jewish families would fill the streets, and there would be all sorts of dancing and marching, and it would be this big, humongous worship celebration. There would be harps and cymbals and, and other instruments playing while the priests would dance around all the people holding these humongous torches, right? Hold these huge torches. You could smell the oil being burned. You could see the large flames. You could watch the, you could watch the shadows dance around you. You could smell the smoke. It would be huge. So it was, this, it was this huge celebration to remember and reenact the pillar of fire in the Old Testament, the, the pillar of fire that led the Israelites out of Egypt away from the Egyptian army, and eventually through the Red Sea. Right? It was the very next morning after they just had that. So you, the, the smoke is still lingering in the air. You could still smell the burnt oil. You would still be remembering those torches dancing around. And it's the next morning that Jesus stands in front of the people and says, I am the light of the world. Right? In other words, he's saying, if you follow me, you will never live in the darkness of slavery and oppression again, because the light leads to more freedom. The light leads to more flourishing. The light leads to new life where everyone has what they need, and they're no longer bound, but they're now free. Right? Friends, you are light in the Lord. You are light. And light leads, right? The more darkness we expose in our own lives, the more darkness we expose in our life together, because there's darkness. The more light we, the more light, the more darkness exposed, the more like light we become, right? And then we become more equipped to lead, right? You are light. We together are light. So not only do we, do we let our light shine uh, by doing things like standing up for those who suffer inequality, speaking out against people and systems that seek to oppress and bind people. Not only do we, we do that, but we also lead the charge. 
we, we, we're out in the forefront of that kind of stuff. We get other people to join in. We lead the way and encourage other people to follow our lead. We're talking about a large movement of people. This is who we're called to be. This is who the church is called to be. Leading the way to, to, to more freedom, to more love, to more acceptance. To, so the place where, where people have what they need to live flourishing lives. We lead the way. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of, right? That's the identity that has been given to us, and it's time for us to start living into it and leaning into it more and more because we are light. You were once darkness, but now, oh, you are light. You are light in the Lord, and we together are a light in the Lord for the world. Let's pray.